So during the spring of my junior year of college, I received a phone call that basically changed the trajectory of my life. And you'll hear a little bit more about that. Um, I had applied to work at a summer camp, a camp where I had first met Jesus, or probably the, the camp where Jesus had, had met me, the camp where my faith had been formed and shaped, and how the summer before my junior year in college, I had returned to for a week of being a counselor. And it was during that week that my faith was rekindled, that there was a sense of, of, of encountering the living, wonderful God. And so a couple of my friends had encouraged me to apply to be on staff at camp. And I thought, well, this, this sounds like a great opportunity. And there were lots of different places that you could serve. There was accommodations. There was the office. There was the kitchen. Uh, there was maintenance, which I knew I would never be hired to do maintenance because I have no skills like that whatsoever. And then there were also lead counselor positions to work with students in elementary school and middle school and high school. And so I received that phone call during the spring of my junior year of college. And they offered me the position of being a lead counselor for middle school and high school students. And I have to tell you, I was shocked. They called and said, we want you to consider being a lead counselor. And in my mind, I thought, I can't believe they're offering me this position because I have so little experience in working with students. I'd done some teaching of Sunday school and worked with some middle school students, but that was about it. And yet here was this phone call that literally would change the course of my life. It's what eventually was what brought me into doing student ministry and then going to seminary and, and then becoming a pastor. But I remember the coordinator of my team called and said, I want you to consider being a part of a bigger story than you are a part of right now. I want you to consider joining a team of young men and young women who seek to serve Jesus Christ. I want you to consider a calling on your life to serve the Savior. And it was out of saying yes to that calling way back in 1987 that began a calling on my own life to be a pastor, but also allowed me to make so many lifelong friends, a group of, of covenant friends that you all have heard about that, that we still meet together. Those friendships that were formed back in the late eighties and we do life together. We lament together. We rejoice together. We share in community as brothers and sisters. We share as the preacher of Hebrews is going to say in just a moment, in this heavenly calling. And that's where we want to start this morning as we're working through the sermon of Hebrews and, and considering what it is that God might say to us during this season of Lent. We get called in to a bigger story as brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling. The preacher says, I want to talk to you about what this calling looks like. So we're in Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And I encourage you to listen now for God's word. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus 
whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. It's the only time Jesus is ever called an apostle. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater, greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Brothers and sisters called together in this heavenly calling. And the preacher says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fix your thoughts on Jesus. Who is both an apostle and a high priest. And we think about those words, apostle, meaning called out, meaning sent forth, called and sent it's this apostolic calling that we see in the Apostle Paul, but it's this apostolic calling that is, that is what Jesus has done. He has been called, and then he goes forth sharing God's word. And he also has this high priestly role. Think about the role of the high priest. It is the one who reconciles. It is the one who serves as the mediator between humankind and God. So much so that in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, this is what we read about Jesus. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Christ makes the ultimate sacrifice. We're not going to spend much time today talking about the role of Christ as the high priest. We're going to be doing focusing on that in a couple of weeks. But I, what I want us to hear is that we are to focus our thoughts on Jesus, who serves two functions, according to the preacher of Hebrews. He is sent forth with God's word. And he is the one who brings reconciliation. He is the one who brings compassion and mercy to the world. He is God's final word and he is God's ultimate way. And that's where our focus needs to be because that's part of our calling. That's part of what we're to be about. That we are sent out by God, that, that, that we bear burdens that we show compassion and mercy to others. But folks, this gets hard. It gets hard in our world because what the world seeks to do is it, is it comes in upon us and sometimes it's difficult to see. So I try to go for a, a fairly long run three times a week. I, um, I think about chariots of fire when it comes to running. And you may remember that great movie and Eric little, the, the long distance track star who said, you know, God has given me purpose and, and God has made me fast. And, and he had this sense. He says, I feel God's pleasure when I run. And I was like, I think to myself, I have never thought that a day in my life. 
I do not take great pleasure in running or find God's pleasure in running. I do it for physical exercise and to try and keep my heart healthy, but it's not like it brings me joy. But but when I run, I'm always looking at the focal point, trying to get a little further, trying to see where it is that I am going. And the other day I was running and the marine layer rolled in. And I'm running on the street, and, and I'm typically looking for the next block or two blocks ahead to say, keep going, Paul, keep going, Paul. And this marine layer rolls in, and guess what? I literally could not see to the next block. And I think that sometimes in our lives that, that, that we're trying to focus on something, and the world it acts like this marine layer. And it gets foggy, and it gets unclear, and it gets difficult to see. And our calling is to keep moving, to keep pursuing, to keep, as we talked about last week, walking through the valley of the shadow and knowing that on the end of that is God. And so the author, the preacher of Hebrews says, focus your thoughts, fix your thoughts on Jesus. The apostle Paul talks about thoughts in second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. And this is what he says. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We demolish arguments and pretenses that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. The preacher says, focus your thoughts on Jesus. our high priest and our apostle. And then he goes into comparing and contrasting Jesus and Moses. Now, Moses was the man. We have to understand that Moses was a legacy. Everybody knew Moses, particularly people in the old Testament tradition or an understanding of some of the things of the Hebrew scriptures. Moses was, was amazing. He was called by God, had this apostolic idea. He met with God. He led the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. He got to go up on the mountaintop. He received the Ten Commandments. He wasn't the high priest of Israel, but he interceded for the nation of Israel. Moses was a great and amazing man. And God knew that. And the problem, and we see this in the scriptures back in Numbers chapter 12, because there's sibling rivalry with Moses. You may remember this, that his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron, they started getting frustrated and thinking, well, why... why why does God only speak through Moses? What about us? And they confront him on this and God is not pleased. So this is what we read in numbers chapter 12. And this is at verse five. Then the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud and he stood at the entrance of the tent and he summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? This is what the, author, the preacher of Hebrews is saying. Is saying Moses was faithful in the house of God. Miriam and Aaron are jealous. And God says, who are you to speak against Moses? He is a faithful servant in my house. 
But the preacher of Hebrews says, no matter how great Moses was, Christ is greater. Because he is not a servant of the house. He is the son of the builder of the house. He is the one who inherits the house. He is the one who is the heir of the house. He is the one who provides for the servants in the house. And so what the, the preacher of Hebrews is saying is saying, you need to understand, you know how, how faithful Moses was, but Jesus is even more faithful. Jesus has even more responsibility. Jesus is the heir of all of these things. It is his house that we are a part of. Moses was a part of the house, but he was not the builder or the architect. That was God's role. That is Christ's role. That Christ serves as the sort of blueprint. And so we think about that house and the way in which the preacher of Hebrews describes this as he's saying, look, though, we share in this heavenly calling. We are in the house with Jesus. It's as though Jesus is our brother, even though he is the heir and he is the son of God and he oversees the whole house. We are in that with him. And we are called to live faithfully and fully for him, whether we're in the house or outside of the house. And, and, and we get this idea that, that in this day and age, the church is really God's house. So I want us to think for a moment about the house. I think about our house. I think about the first time I saw our house. Now, we had moved to La Jolla, and, and we spent over a year looking for a house. And when I say we, I should say Shannon, my wife, spent over a year looking for a place that we could call home. And we found this place. And, and when I walked up to it, I thought, no way. It was a house that had been built in the 50s. A, a buddy of mine called it like a shanty sea house. I'm like, I'm not really sure what you mean by that. But, but I walked into this, this house and I thought, I don't see it. I mean, it had an odd setup and, and, and just a bunch of small, tiny rooms. And I thought, I, I don't know how we're going to do anything with this house. But we had Shannon's uncle on our side. Now, Uncle Randall, who has now since passed away, was a well-known architect in Pasadena. He taught at USC. He, at the time, was the world-renowned expert on green and green architecture. If you're familiar with the Gamble House in Pasadena, he was the one who helped create the Gamble House. He was the first curator of the Gamble House. He co-authored a book with Brad Pitt about green and green furniture and architecture. Every time I walk to the Torrey Pines Lodge or go up to the Torrey Pines Lodge, I think of Uncle Randall because he was the architect who they consulted to make sure they did everything right at the Torrey Pines Lodge here in, in La Jolla. And I remember him driving down and standing in the middle of of this house and I saw nothing and he saw everything and he said this house will work we will make it a home for you and so he and my wife Shannon they did it they created the blueprints 
They created the open spaces that we have. They created the views that we have. Because he could see something that I couldn't see. He could be the architect. And it's the place we now call home. And we love it. But I think about Uncle Randall. And as great as he was at architecture, he ultimately couldn't build the house because we needed a builder to come in and to do that. But he was a servant in God's household. He was faithful, just like Moses. He did what he could do to help create the home that we have. And at his memorial service, I read this quote from Frank Lloyd Wright. Here's what he says. He says, when designing a house, you have to ask people what they want to live in. But you must also keep an eye out or an eye on what they want to live for. Not just what people want to live in, but what do they want to live for? And I think when we think about what God is all about, when we think about the house that God is constructing, the life that God is constructing in us, it's about this idea of what is it that God wants us to live for? How do we best use our gifts, our passions, our abilities in the service of our Lord? So then, the question for you all, are you allowing God to build your life? Are you giving God permission to be the chief architect and the chief builder? Because what, cause God longs to be in your life. God loves you so much that that's what he wants to be about. You are his precious daughter. You are his precious son. Psalm 127, the first two verses, we read this. We read, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Are we allowing God to build up our lives. Allowing him to have control. To do what he needs to do. And sometimes you know what? We don't get exactly what we want when that happens. We don't get to build what we want. When God is the master builder. And sometimes. God has to do some remodeling. Sometimes God has to push out some walls. Sometimes God has to get rid of some stuff that's holding us back. Are we allowing God to build us in to the men and women that he longs for us to be? And in the midst of that, are we remembering that Jesus is with us? Look again at verse 6 of our text from today. Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly 
to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. If we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope that we have in Christ. You see, this is where the preacher is saying, hey, just keep holding on. This, as I said last week, is going to be one of the themes of Hebrews, this idea of perseverance. And it's like, Lord, we're holding on. Because God is going to do a good work in and through you. And we hold on confidently because of what Christ has done for us. So I want us to think about this idea of being called as brothers and sisters in a heavenly calling. And the preacher says, focus your eyes on Jesus. Live like Jesus, who was called and sent out and who helped to bring mediation to the world. How do we know if we're living in an apostolic sense? We look around to see where God is at work, where Jesus is at work. And we move into those places and we speak truth and hope and encouragement. So may we be faithful servants in the house of God. May we speak God's hope and God's truth. May we allow God to mold us and shape us into the people that he longs for us to be. And may we remember and may we cling to the one who is faithful, Jesus Christ. Pray with me, please. God, for this day, we thank you. We thank you that you are the ultimate architect and builder. And God, there are times that that we want to take that role over. And we get into trouble when we do that. Lord, may we yield our lives to you. Lord, may we keep the world from from pressing in us so much that we lose our focus. And Lord, may we fix our thoughts on Jesus Christ, our hope and our salvation. We ask and pray this all in his name. Amen.